Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I'm walking on sunshine, whoa, and don't it feel good? Addition, as the Bengals advance to the AFC Championship game with a thrilling road win over the top-seeded Tennessee Titans. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, you'll get to know a guy who made a huge play in Saturday's win, linebacker Clay Johnston. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play, next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit onlocationexp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events in the NFL all season long, including Super Bowl 56. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since the buildup when your favorite team advances in the postseason. One of my favorite things about the NCAA basketball tournament is that if your team wins a couple of games and makes it to the Sweet 16, you get to savor it for several days leading up to the next round. And if your team wins two more games and goes to the Final Four, you get to do it again. Well, that's what we have to look forward to this week leading up to the AFC Championship game. And who knows, if the Bengals win again, we could get to savor the two-week buildup to the Super Bowl. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Now, let's get to Saturday's win at Tennessee. The game could not have started much better for Cincinnati. Ryan Tannehill under center on first and ten. Double tight ends in for Tennessee. Play action fake. Tannehill guns it. Nice. Intercepted nice. by Jesse Bates. First play of the game. Yeah. And Jesse Bates, who intercepted Ryan Tannehill last year, picks him off on the very first play of this playoff game. That gave the Bengals the ball at the Titans 42. But Cincinnati's first play didn't go very well either. Burrow back to throw. Under pressure. Spinning. Twirling. And sacked for a three-yard loss at the 45-yard line. Last year in Burrow's third NFL game, he was sacked eight times by the Eagles. The Titans topped that with nine sacks on Saturday. Here's DJ Reader on his quarterback. He's the toughest guy in the league, though, man. He's tough. Just gritty. I love it. I love it. I love it about him. He's a super tough guy. You know, he, he doesn't complain. He goes out there and does his job. I really appreciate Joe. One play after the sack, Burrow threw a short pass that Joe Mixon turned into a 21-yard gain. The Bengals reached the Titans 20 before settling for a field goal try. Huber looking back at his young kicker, now turns his head, extends the right hand, catches the snap. The kick is on its way. It is good. And the Bengals are on the scoreboard first. They turn the Jesse Bates interception into the field goal by Evan McPherson. The Titans had the king, Derrick Henry, back at running back, but failed to score on their first four drives. Meanwhile, another big play helped the Bengals double their lead. Three receivers right, two left. Burrow clapping his hands. Screen pass caught by Chase. Sprinting away from traffic to the 30, the 40, far sideline 50. Jumped over a defender at the 35 and goes down at the Tennessee Titans 28-yard line. That was a 57-yard reception by Chase. Roughly 56 of the yards coming after the catch. 
It led to a 45-yard field goal and a 6-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. In the second, the Titans finally started moving the ball. A 41-yard pass from Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown led to the game's first touchdown. Now they're going to go wildcat and snap it directly to Derrick Henry. He catches the snap. He runs left, squares up his shoulders, and runs it into the end zone for a three-yard Tennessee touchdown. That tied the game at six. And when the Titans lined up for the extra point, the Bengals got penalized for having 12 men on the field. That gave Titans coach Mike Vrabel an opportunity that he couldn't pass up. A chance to go for two from the one-yard line. Ryan Tannehill takes the snap, gives it to Henry. Hit from behind by Clay Johnston. He did not get in. No way. So the Bengals' penalty helps as Tennessee goes for two and Henry gets tackled. The Bengals responded with an 11-play drive that reached the Titans' 19-yard line, well within McPherson's field goal range. But a penalty cost them five yards, and what came next was even worse. Third down and 13. The Bengals need to get down to the 11-yard line. Burrow can't take a sack here. He's back to throw. Cox the arm, scrambling left. He gets sacked. For a loss of 12 yards, it could have been disastrous if their kicker wasn't Evan McPherson. A 54-yard try out of the hold of Kevin Huber, trying to give the Bengals the lead in the final two minutes of the half. The snap, the put down, the kick. It has the distance. It is good. Wow. Money Mack from 54 yards away, and the Bengals have taken a 9-6 lead. Here's Zach Taylor on his rookie kicker. I mean, he's got he's got ice in his veins. There, there's not much to be said. You know, he's he's uh, as cool as it gets. You've got confidence that he's going to nail it every single time he steps up there. Joe Burrow had the same number of sacks in the first half, five, as Joe Mixon had rushing yards. And yet, the Bengals led 9-6. On their opening drive of the third quarter, the Bengals finally got something out of their running game as Mixon carried four times for 34 yards on a 65-yard scoring drive. Bengals have taken more than five minutes off the clock on this drive. They have it at the 16 of Tennessee. Burrow under center, Mixon back in at running back. It's a run to the right for Mixon. Cuts back to the left. He's at the 10. Toward the pylon at the 5. High stepping into the end zone. Touchdown, Joe Mixon and the Bengals. Here's Mixon on a great cutback that resulted in a 16-yard score. Caught stretch right, and all of a sudden, I just... Remember, the boys was running over the, over the top. The linebackers and safety, they was flowing hard. I put my toe on the ground. Then I remember I put my toe on the ground again, and I just seen backside. It was just like it was open, like a, the Red Sea. And <laughs> I ended up going, trying to explode and, you know, get to that zone. And I was, I was fortunate enough to find daylight, and everything worked out on that play, and I thought that was a big difference in the game. The Bengals were up 16-6, but a 45-yard run by Deontay Foreman put the Titans in position to answer with a score of their own. First and goal from the 10. No passes so far on this drive. Foreman stays in at running back. There's a pass deflected. Intercepted by Hilton. Sprinting from Tannehill. And the quarterback is able to make the tackle. Mike Hilton jumping up from the slot corner position. Batted the ball into the air. Intercepted it and ran it back to the 39. So the Bengals dodged a red zone bullet on Hilton's pick. But after a three and out by the offense, a 40-yard pass from Tannehill to Brown led to a Randy Bullock field goal that made it 16-9. 
The lead was down to a touchdown, and it soon disappeared. Joe Burrow under center, takes the snap, fakes a handoff. Burrow wants to throw. His oh. pass off the fingertips of Pirine, intercepted on a deflection, oh. and the Titans will take over. Amani Hooker catching the ricochet, and Tennessee is going to have it. It wasn't Burrow's fault, but that ended his streak of 209 consecutive passes without an INT. And it didn't take long for the Titans to capitalize. Tannehill drops back to throw, looking, firing toward the end zone. A.J. Brown comes down with the ball. Touchdown, Tennessee. There were two defenders there, and Tannehill thread the needle to A.J. Brown. Brown finished with five catches for 142 yards, and the teams went to the fourth quarter tied at 13. On the Bengals' first drive of the fourth, they march to the Titans 32, once again within McPherson's field goal range. Huge third down and three play here. The Titans showing blitz. Burrow ready, empty backfield, catches the shotgun snap, in trouble. Burrow sacked at the 50 by Bud Dupree, an 18-yard loss. Unbelievable. That eliminated the field goal possibility and the Bengals had to punt. The Titans also drove into field goal range, but rather than letting Bullock try a 53-yarder for the lead, Tennessee went for it on fourth and one at the Cincinnati 35. Double tight ends in. They're going to give it to Derrick Henry looking for a running lane. He's hit, and he's tackled for a loss. The Bengals' defense tackles Henry for a loss of two, and Cincinnati will take over with 7.14 to go. How about that? The Bengals put the ball in Burrow's hands with 7.16 to go, but they simply could not protect for him. Burrow has the ball. He drops back. Ah. He gets sacked for the ninth time. Brought down at the Titans' 40-yard line. The problem, Dan, is that when the defensive ends are pressuring the edges, Joe can't step up because Simmons and the defensive tackles are pushing the interior pocket. It's not like the pressure is just coming from one spot. There is no place to step up, and Simmons gets another one. Burrow was sacked nine times and hit an additional four. I mean, they had a great plan. They had a great rush plan. Um, they made it tough on us. They made it tough on me, disguising coverages and and blitzes and and everything. And they they switched it up the whole game. They didn't stick to one thing. They you know one thing didn't work. They moved on to the next thing, and that was you know that kept us on our toes. More accurately, it kept him on his back. The Titans got the ball back with 2.43 on the clock, needing only a field goal to win the game. But Joe Mixon assured Tyler Boyd that things were going to work out. And Tyler was like, man, we came too far to, you know, go out like this. And I'm like, man, just just believe, bro. Just believe. Defense is going to get us a turnover. We're going to go into overtime. And sure enough, literally one play later, literally one play later, we got a pick. 32 seconds left. Third down and five. Tannehill ready for the shotgun snap. He has the ball. He's back to throw. Looking. Throws over the middle. Bobbled. Intercepted. The Bengals have it at the 47-yard line. 20 seconds on the clock. And the Bengals will have the ball about 15 yards away from Evan McPherson's long field goal range. Ryan Tannehill's pass was tipped by Eli Apple and intercepted by linebacker Logan Wilson. Every game in the playoffs is going to be close. It's going to be a dogfight. That's just the nature of this league. Um, everyone's good when it gets to this point. And 
Um, you just got to find ways to win. The Bengals had the ball at their own 47 with 20 seconds to go. Burrow catches a shotgun snap. Blitz coming. Joe with time. Nice. Throws for Chase. Got it. Nice. And out of bounds at the 35 of Tennessee. 15 seconds on the clock. That's enough to be within the long field goal range of McPherson. 18 seconds on the clock. Now, ideally, you'd love to get about 10 more yards, and the Bengals have two timeouts to work with. The Bengals ran it twice but didn't gain anything. They trusted McPherson to deliver from 50-plus after he went 9-for-11 from long range during the regular season. McPherson ready from 52 yards away. Clark Harris will snap it back to Kevin Huber for the win. The snap, the put down, the swing of the right leg. It's on its way. It is good. Coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. That is unbelievable. 54 and 52 at the gun. That is unrealism right there. And the Bengals advance to the final four AFC championship game, Dan. AFC championship game. It was the fourth game-ending game winner of McPherson's rookie year. Yeah, it's a kicker's dream is to, you know, have the game on on your shoulders and just to uh, go out there and execute the way that we have all practice. You know, that's, that's what I told Kevin right before the kick. I'm like, all right, we do this. Uh, we did this in practice. Let's do it one more time. And you know, that's kind of what was going through my mind. And all I knew is just hit it, hit it clean, and it was going to get there. His teammates, like Joe Burrow, had no doubt that McFearless would come through. Oh, that guy's unbelievable. He said so. He was talking to Brandon as he was going out to kick. He gave a little warm-up swing, and he said, "Ah, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship." Right before he went out there to kick it. And when you have a kicker. I mean, we knew exactly what we had as soon as he walked into the building in camp, and we just saw how he carried himself. You know exactly how a kicker is going to perform when, obviously, everyone at this level can kick through the uprights. But it's how you handle yourself in the locker room that shows us that you have the confidence to go out there and make a kick like this and perform the way he did in a game like this. And we knew exactly what kind of guy we had in camp. And the Bengals know exactly what they have in Joey Franchise. Here are Zach Taylor and Joe Mixon. If I had the answer for why Joe Burrow's good at what he does, then then I I I I don't know. I'd sell that bottle up and sell it. But um, he's just special. Uh, that allows us to continue to call things the way we call because even after a sack or a negative play, you still feel like we're always going to get it back with the weapons that we got. Um, Joe's ability to put put a hit behind him and move on to the next play and find one of his his freak shows as he likes to call him, uh, you know, makes our job a lot easier as play callers. And that boy Joey B, he's a he's a bad <laughs> he's a bad man, to say the least. He's a bad man, and um, I'm just I'm so happy for him um, because of all he's been through, all he's overcome, and uh, you know he he was in a slouch with us. I mean, it wasn't multiple years like me, Tyler, and CJ, but. He's, he's been here, he's, he's witnessed it. And when I was on the sideline, uh, probably about like 10, 15 seconds left, I believe, when we took the ball back, Joey B went out there, and I tell everybody all the time, what, what surprised me the most about Joe Burrow, and at this point, it's definitely not surprising because of he does it time and time again, is his poise under pressure. The final score, Cincinnati 19, Tennessee 16. I'm still dreaming right now. To be honest, I'm still dreaming. I feel like I'm on cloud. I'm in, I'm in the highest clouds you could ever imagine. I'm just, I'm so, I'm so blessed to be here, be a part of this, something special. 
Um, so thankful for my teammates. So thankful for the fans, for all the support they came down here. It's just, man, like I said, I'm, I'm on an all-time high right now. Maybe not an all-time high. After all, the Bengals are one win from going to the Super Bowl. Here's Logan Wilson. That was like one of the first things I said in the locker room. I was like, dude, we are one game away. One game. Now, obviously, we got a big game in front of us, but um, it's a huge opportunity for us. The rallying cry since training camp has been, why not us? But not anymore. The captain spoke to the team the night before the game, and Burrow's message was, it is us. I'm tired of the underdog narrative. And we're a really, really good team. We're here to, we're here to make noise. And you know, teams are going to have to pay attention to us. We're, like I said, a really good team with really good players and coaches, and we're, we're coming for it all. The final thoughts on one of the biggest wins in franchise history come from Evan McPherson and Zach Taylor. Our team's kind of creating our own legacy, uh, obviously, and I think this, this Bengal team will be remembered uh, forever. Um, and just the excitement that we brought to, to the city of Cincinnati, I think, is awesome. And this, I mean, the city's on fire. It'll probably burn down tonight. And then it'll it'll definitely burn down next week, and then we'll have a we'll have a whole city you know fly out to uh, fly out to California hopefully and and support us in in the Super Bowl. So, like I said, we're gonna take it one game at a time. Go wherever we got to go next week, execute, and uh, hopefully come out with a win. This win's for everybody. You know, this win's for everybody's involved in this. Uh, I would imagine there's some pretty good celebrations going back home. The orange in the crowd today was tremendous. I mean, it just felt like driving into the game. Uh, it, it was so cool to see so many Bengal fans that came down. Let's find a way to get them to either Kansas City or Buffalo. We'll find that out tomorrow. But uh, we just got such a tremendous fan base that supports this team through thick and thin. Happy we're able to deliver some wins for them. The Bills and Chiefs meet at 6.30 on Sunday night. The odds makers say the Bengals will be a six-and-a-half-point underdog against either opponent. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play fantasy football game. This year, Ultimate Bengals awarded a weekly winner during the course of the season with tickets, autographed merchandise, and money-can't-buy experiences all up for grabs. Find Ultimate Bengals in the App Store and Google Play. Now, time for post-game analysis with my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. Lap, the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to the AFC Championship game a year after winning four games, two years after winning two. Amazing. A two-year record of 6-25-1, and, and they're going to the AFC Championship game. I'm telling you, Dan, it all started with you and the Bearcats, you know, going to that <laughs> college football playoff, man. Set a high bar, but Bengals had to at least match it. So they, they are going to the Final Four here in the uh, National Football League playoff format, and uh, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, the, these guys, they, they truly believe. I mean, they, they think they're good enough to win – uh, a world championship, and I'm not going to sell them short. I mean, they are extremely confident, um, and I think they feed off the confidence of their quarterback, and it's an earned confidence by the quarterback, and the, and the players know that it's an earned confidence, and they feel good right now. And leave it to Joe Burrow to set send a new message. I'm tired of the underdog narrative. We are a good team with good coaches, and we can win it all. Bingo. I mean, that, that says it all, and uh, – that, that that's what I'm talking about. About you know a guy who it's one thing to say it, but then you go it up, go out and you back it up with supreme play and execution and toughness and competitiveness. I mean, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times, really eleven. One got nullified by penalty, and one got nullified by time timeout. 
um, and get hit a myriad of times. I mean, this this, this guy. Good thing he's young because he's going to be sore. And um, for him to him to just fight through all that, I think right in the middle of all those times being sacked when he ran for that first down and dove head first to do it, and it's like I don't care. I'm giving my body up. We got to make this first down. He wants to make sure he makes it, not slide and have uh, count on an official to spot the ball properly. It's like I'm going as far as I can and getting the ball out there as far, far as I can get it out there, and I'm getting this damn first down, and we're going to score. I mean, that stuff is contagious. Uh, teammates feed off of that stuff. So when you when you have a guy that can deliver a good message verbally then then backs it up physically with a high level of execution on a snap-by-snap basis, Man, the sky's the limit. Let's go back to the final minute of the game. The Titans have the ball. They're trying to make sure that the Bengals don't get the ball back so they're not using their own timeouts. They were trying to go with the either we attempt to kick to win it or nobody does strategy. But they throw a pass that gets deflected by Eli Apple and intercepted by Logan Wilson at the 47-yard line with 20 seconds to go. An 18-yard pass to Chase who gets out of bounds leads to the field goal opportunity from 52 yards away for Evan McPherson. Yeah, and, uh, and Joe Burrow, there were times when he did get a good pocket and he had time and space. And when he has time and space and can see the football field, it's deadly. It's deadly. And they ran cover two man, and, and the, the place to attack that cover two is up the sideline. Safety can't get there fast enough from the middle of the football field. Corners got underneath coverage, and they, they did it perfectly. I mean, Chase ran a, a, an extremely effective route, and Burrow, as usual, puts the ball on the Monet. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's extraordinary. So many guys stepped up and made so many big plays. All the interceptions, including the interception, you know that uh, uh, that, that um, Mike Hilton. Yeah, no, uh, that the Jesse Titans Bates. had. That, oh, I got in, you. Include Hooker. Yeah, every interception the Bengals had, and the interception that Hooker had with Tennessee, they were all very big athletic plays. It wasn't just run of the mill, you know, easy interception, hit you right in the hands. They had to do some extraordinary things to pick the football off, and uh, and other teammates in some instances. Were, were a part of it, but Hilton, Hilton tipped it and caught it himself. I mean, he tipped the ball to himself. That's just a, an unbelievable play by a slot corner that understands the game of football at an extremely high level as well. Burrow passed for 348. Jamar Chase had five catches for 109. He's played in two NFL playoff games. He's topped 100 receiving yards in both of them. No matter what opposing teams try to do to take away Jamar Chase, he's so good and his timing and Rhythm with Joe Burrow is so good that you simply can't take him away. And the thing, watching him, he's so fluid when he runs his routes, and he has gears that he shifts into and shifts down. You know, he downshifts and upshifts, and he, he is so effective and so talented. Um, it, it's, it, it's not uh, just how he runs its route, his routes, what he does during the course of running those routes really puts a lot of stress and strain on a corner. I mean, the way he can choke it down and the corner thinks, all right, well, boy, is he going to plant a foot and get in and out of a cut, and then he'll just accelerate again. He, his ability to stop and start, accelerate, decelerate, get out of a cut at the, at the highest uh, point of the, of the route, and then just turn it into a separation. It's just he is extraordinary, and he's so strong. He's so physically strong. It's, he's, these two guys are going to be around doing something special for a very long time. And I look at the body language of the cornerbacks and safeties when, when he'll make a play, 
And it's just like, they're like, nothing I can do about that. This guy's different. This guy's like a unicorn. You know, he's a Martian. This guy's not normal. He's not a human being. I mean, that, that's, that's, and when you see that, when you see that kind of the shoulders slump and the head goes down and all that, it's like, man, he's got him. Jamar Chase has him. I mean, he has him exactly where he wants him. And he's going to do anything he wants to do to him all day long. Derrick Henry, the king, was dethroned. 20 carries, 62 yards. His long run was nine. How did the Bengals shut him down to the extent that they did? Well, I'll tell you, the, the I, I thought the defensive game plan from Jump Street by Lou Anarumo and the defensive staff was extraordinary. They were so aggressive. I mean, they attacked the line of scrimmage. It wasn't catch blocks and two gap and, you know, they just, they came downhill. I mean, even the defensive linemen attacked line of scrimmage. DJ Reader was phenomenal. DJ Reader owned Ben Jones. Ben Jones is going to go to sleep tonight, close his eyes, and one eyeball is going to see a nine, the other one's going to see an eight. And he's not going to be able to sleep. I mean, he, he dominated them. Um, and yeah, it, they, they just did a great job of, of reestablishing the line of scrimmage on the two point conversion on the fourth and one. They knocked him backwards. They just knocked the line of scrimmage backwards. And that's that's exactly what you want to have happen. I mean, they just played at such a high level, and uh, I, I, got, I got to give them a lot of credit. That That's the way, the whole time, the week when we talked about Derrick Henry, I said, look, the thing with him, you can't let him get started. You have to make him make his first cut either at the line of scrimmage or behind it. They attacked the line of scrimmage to make him stop his feet and make his first cut behind the line of scrimmage, and they did it time and time and time again, and he never really got that big thumping, you know, style of running and the big stiff arm and all that. He never got that on, on track. Uh, defensively, they took it away from him. And it, I just – he would blitz linebackers on run blitzes. Everything was aggressive. And, you know, Derrick Henry hadn't played, you know, since Halloween. So it's like, now, okay, don't let him get in a rhythm and, and just catch stuff and let them punch you and you counter punch and you never attack – attack and make him oh now I don't trust my eyes on that that cutback wasn't there Uh, well I didn't expect them to do that I thought it was an extraordinary game plan to just attack it and make him make that big guy tentative make him tentative mentally with his with his reads and his and then make him tentatively physically by making him stop his feet and and make his first cut you know at or behind the line of scrimmage I thought that was a secret to it Joe Mixon wound up with almost as many yards as Derrick Henry. Henry had 62, Mixon had 54, six fewer carries for Joe Mixon. But the key for Joe, just five yards in the first ca- first half, a very solid 49 in the second half. That's exactly what I was going to say, Dan. When you look at the first half numbers, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had six rushes for five carries. and He, he had one. For five yards. Uh, excuse me, five yards. Six carries for five yards, and his long was five yards. So the other five yards got nothing. Got zero on the other five rushes. And on the game, you look at it, and, and he's 14 for 54. So, you know, that's, that's eight carries in, 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 the, uh, in the second half for 49 yards. That's, that's productive. You know, he busted the TD run, t- touchdown run. So in, in the second half, Joe Mixon was a compliment, you know, to the, to, the, uh, to the offense. And, I mean, in the first half, five sacks – you're thinking, you got to get the running game going. I mean, you just can't average less than a yard per carry in the NFL and, and not think that they're going to tee off on you. And they did. They teed off. Uh, the two sacks that didn't count occurred in the first half. Should have been seven at halftime. And then got the running game going, but Tennessee still 
teed off. I mean, they do have a they, they have a hell of a front four. They complement each other well. And it wasn't just the edge guys. It was the edge guys. Then the the inside guys gave Joe nowhere to go. You know, the edge guys, you think about stepping up. Oh, I can't. Now I'm going to try to bail and outrun them. You can't do it in the NFL. You can't bail and outrun these great athletes. And he kept, you know, getting big chunks on his sacks, giving up big chunks of yards. And Joe Burrow said in the post game that the Titans also did a good job of confusing him. So some of those sacks, most of them were obviously on the offensive line, but there were a few where he had at least some time and couldn't find anybody open and then got sacked. I thought that uh, Vrabel, you know, he, he didn't leave anything on the table. I mean, he had seven guys at the line of scrimmage, a ton, and was like, which four are coming? And then he twist with the four that were coming. And, and then, he, and then he, he, he never really brought more than four all year. He was bringing five. He was bringing six. And then on top of that, so that had the offensive line confused. Then on top of that, he'd mix his coverages. You know, he, he, would, he would disguise and, uh, and dis- disguise multiple times and, and give him adjustments. I mean, he was, he was on point. And uh, I, I think that was probably um, not, co- I guess Joe said confused, but to me, it made him the most hesitant I've ever seen him. I've never, I've never seen Joe Burrow where he didn't trust his eyes. You know, it's like, I got this. I got this pre-snap. I'm confirming it post-snap. It was like, I think I have a pre-snap. Oh, no, I don't have it at all on the post-snap. I, I've never seen that before. So, you know, hats off to uh, Mike Vrabel. But even with that said, Joe still put up numbers. And a lot of it, though, Dan, like you said, uh, at the end of the game, you know, Joe Burrow, obviously a big factor in this game, but a lot of guys, you know, made plays for him and helped him. A lot of guys made great plays after the catch of the football. The fun started after the catch with the run after catch and the yards that uh, were accumulated. Chase, CJ, you know, Joe Mixon, you pick a guy. Everybody made plays after the catch of the football. How much of this game comes down to this simple statement? The Bengals had the better quarterback. I think it's huge. Like we said, <laughs> poor Ryan Tannehill. First pass of the game, interception. First pass of the second half, interception. Last pass of the game for Ryan Tannehill with 20 seconds to play, interception. <sighs> That's like, you. good morning, good afternoon, good night, Ryan Tannehill. Just wasn't your day, my man. Any thoughts, Kansas City or Buffalo at this point? Do you care? Do you have a preference who, who you think the Bengals would match up better against? I, I think they match up better against Kansas City because they know they beat them. Yeah. I think Buffalo's defense is extraordinary. Kansas City's is not extraordinary. And I think the quarterback's kind of a wash. So I would rather see Joe Burrow operate against Kansas City's defense than that tandem at safety and uh, the guys they have uh, with the Buffalo Bills with that defensive football team. Their head coach is a defensive savant. Uh, Leslie Frazier is a great coordinator. He's getting head coaching um, opportunities uh, in terms of you know, interviews. I-, I think I'd rather see them go to Kansas City. Now, I know Kansas City will be up in the bit because they lost to him, and the Bengals knocked him out of the number one seed, and that was big. They just took it away from him. So there's going to be blood in the eye and all that, but I think the Bengals are confident that they can go out and execute and score points against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, plus, you know, uh, from a preparation standpoint, they already have all of that done. Now you can just tweak and fine-tune and everything instead of starting over again with a team, the Buffalo Bills, haven't played them for a while, you know. And But that I'll tell you, Josh Allen, you know, Mahomes is great. But, Dan, Josh Allen, that dude, he's a he is a total unicorn. He's, he's almost like, you know, 
He might be the first unicorn that ever walked the earth. He's that rare. He's that dude is a different breed of cat. And I, uh, I, I the, the quarterback run package with him scares me. And then he, you know, he's got such a howitzer. It's like, you know, Holmes is great, but I'm telling you, I think Allen might be a little bit more scary. I'd rather go to Kansas City. <laughs> All right. I'm just happy we're going to one or the other. Yeah. It's going to be a fantastic week looking forward to an AFC championship game. And, and like I said, uh, you know, when the game was ending, I don't care if we play them in Yugoslavia. I don't care who it is. The fact that you're going to the AFC championship, and like you said, Dan, 2-0. Franchise hasn't lost in the AFC championship game. Might as well get it done. <laughs> More on the win and a look ahead to what's next. Join Lap and Lance McAllister for Bengals Line, Monday night from 6 to 9 on 700 WLW. This podcast is sponsored in part by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit onlocationexp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events in the NFL all season long, including Super Bowl 56. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment, and my guest is a Bengals linebacker who tackled Derrick Henry inside the one-yard line on the Titans' failed two-point conversion try. Time for some Fun Facts with Bengals linebacker Clay Johnston from Abilene, Texas. Clay, for those who don't know, your dad was an NFL strength coach for more than two decades for five different teams. How did that impact you and your desire to be a pro football player? I would say it was just he never forced anything upon me when it came to the football life or anything. I always had an inkling and a love for it just because the game was so fun and it meant so much to me. But um, I will say just growing up, getting older and older, like when he was with the Chargers out in San Diego before they went to L.A., I remember in high school when I was kind of like, Dad, yeah, I think I'm going to try to play college ball. He said, like, well, I'll help you as much as I can, son, if you if you want, but I'm not going to force anything on you so I asked him if he could help me and he's like why don't you just come out here and work out with the the rookies for <laughs> two or three weeks and so I go out there and man Teo, bunch of rookies are all out there freaking DJ Fluker from Alabama I mean it was they made it so fun too because we would compete in like these just competitions and the more so running than anything because I can freaking hang, hang with them anywhere in the weight room wise when it came to weights. But I mean, it was, it was definitely, it's been a blessing to just be raised by him and just see the atmosphere and just the culture that he's always been around. When your dad is an NFL strength coach, do you start weightlifting and other forms of training at an early age? Or did you just do the, the normal athletic things that kids would do? Yeah, I'd probably just do the normal, honestly. Like once again, he never forced anything on me when it came to lifting. Honestly, he did, I always had to bring it up to him if I wanted to, like, kind of get in the weight room and stuff. So that was something I had to kind of show interest in. He was a great father, not forcing anything upon me. I'm grateful for that. We're doing fun facts with Clay Johnston. When your dad worked for the Packers, he became close friends with Brett Favre. In fact, he was best man at Brett Favre's wedding. Describe your relationship with a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's just practically like a glorified uncle and just best bud of my dad I mean when he comes around he's practically family and he's obviously I mean if you watch videos of Brett he's a goofball and he's what you see is what you get I mean he's country guy likes working outside I mean last time we drove up on him on his place he literally he's weed eating his 
<laughs> five million acre plot by himself. I'm like, well, this is going to be a lot of weeding going on here. But uh, he's uh, he's a good man, and I've always respected him. I love him. And my dad and him, are, they are pretty close. It's funny that you referred to him as a goofball because I saw an interview where one of your college teammates used the same term to describe you. Is that a fair description of Clay Johnston? I would definitely say that's a fair description. I, uh, whenever it's a little serious and all this and that, I, I like to try to keep it a little light and just, you know, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a goofball myself in many situations. And so just people got to get to know me before they see that. But, uh, I would say that the vast majority, they'd be like, yeah, Clay's, Clay's a goofy goober. <laughs> Clay, you were a great high school football player at Wiley High School in Abilene. But before 10th grade, I read that you were involved in a serious ATV accident. How bad were the injuries? Yeah, they were, they were pretty bad. I was, I was driving a pretty much like a golf cart on steroids. And um, I was very stupid at the time. I was just trying to be a goof, goofball, but it ended up costing me a lot. I flipped it. And it landed on my leg and I slid on concrete for about 30 yards with it. And then I just passed out. And so I was in the hospital for like four days. They had to do a skin graft. They had to cut skin out of my groin and put it there because it was just straight bone. Then they had to stitch all up. So, but by the grace of God, I, I, I don't, I mean, it's miraculous when you talk about it. Like I made it back for two days, my sophomore year of high school. And so it was, it was pretty miraculous but um that definitely was a very painful experience golly that was that hurt man all those surgeries it sounds brutal uh after your great high school career you went on and played college football at baylor under current carolina panthers coach matt rule what did you enjoy most about your college experience probably just being around the guys i'll be honest i, I did not i wasn't a massive fan of practice in college we killed each other every day and that was a very painful experience. And I understand you got to do certain things in certain ways just in college, but holy smokes, that was, those were probably some of the hardest days of my life under Coach Rule. But um, they, it definitely taught me a lot. But um, just being around the guys in the locker room, just like I, these guys in here, just a lot, a lot of people don't know what conversations are like in the locker room. And it's just like when you get close to the guys, that's it's a huge blessing and it goes a long way. Doing fun facts with linebacker Clay Johnston. You tore your ACL as a college senior, putting your draft status in jeopardy, but you did wind up being selected in the seventh round by the Rams. Describe getting that phone call after what you had to overcome. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, I just, it was one of those, you didn't even care where you went as a kid growing up. And it's like, you got drafted and then something. And so when that, when, it, when I knew it was legit, because there were a bunch of phone calls that weren't really legit throughout that whole draft process. And then when I heard it was the GM and then Coach McVay, I was just like, this is amazing. I mean, I, I was ecstatic. I was I was on cloud nine. That was probably one of the most excited I've ever been in my life. And, I mean, thankfully I'm here now, and I'm beyond thankful all these coaches have given me an opportunity to even play from Darren to Al. I mean, it's been a total blessing being around the culture with these guys and this team. I've been beyond grateful for that. So prior to last year, your rookie year in the NFL, you were one of the featured stories on Hard Knocks on HBO. <laughs> Did you enjoy the notoriety? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it was, they just text me like, hey, is it okay if we uh, kind of follow you uh, around on the Hard Knocks? I'm like, sure, man. And then I didn't, I didn't really realize what it was going to be when you had a camera every, 
at every angle whenever you walk to and you were mic'd up 24-7. So it was definitely a unique experience to say. But, I mean, those people are good out there. They got a very good coaching staff. And, I mean, they have a solid culture as well. And I, I enjoyed my time out there. All right, a few wild card topics with Clay Johnston. Who is your favorite athlete of all time in any sport and why? Wow, that is a very, very tough question. Obviously, if it had to be family affiliation, I would say Brett Favre, just because he's been so close. Favorite athlete of all time, man. Golly, that's so tough. I'll just keep it simple. I'll go Brett Favre just because he's close with the family. Do you have any hidden talents? Do I have any hidden talents? No, I'm honestly pretty pretty much a bum. It's football, and then I go <laughs> home and I chill. I'll tell you what I do have. I have like four limited edition Lord of the Rings swords from the movies. They're like replicas. I'm a super nerd when it comes to those movies. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird, man. I'm a fanatic. I'm a goofball in that area. <laughs> Lord of the Rings swords. All right. You are the first person to uh, to share that nugget since I've been doing oh. these fun facts interviews. Clay, it sounds like you are a huge fan of the great outdoors. Is that the case? And what are some of the things you like to do? Oh, I, I, I would say that. I mean, I, I mean, as I want to keep on winning and helping this team as much as possible in my role that I have, wherever that is. But um, shoot, man, obviously there's a part of me too that misses Texas where my family has their house. And, I mean, I, I do like being outdoors, whether that be looking at the sunsets in Texas or just shoot, man, if I'm, if I feel like a bum, I'll just go outside and just start finding some work to do, moving rocks and all, literally, as, as corny as that sounds, I've done that in our own little five-acre plot. But, um, yeah, I love being outside, that's for sure. All right, final question, and this one's deep. If Let's you could go. meet anybody in history, actor, athlete, statesman, religious figure, whoever that person might be, who would you want to meet? Oh, there's no doubt. I'd say Yeshua, Jesus, I mean. I mean, as, and I know that sounds cliche because I'm sure a lot of people would want to meet the uh, the son of God. But um, shoot, man, I'd disintegrate if I was in his presence because he's so freaking just holy. But uh, that's a good answer. I'll stick to Jesus. You are off the hot seat. I appreciate your time. Best of luck this week. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast brought to you by Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play next-level fantasy football game. Download it now from the App Store and Google Play. And by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL. Visit OnLocationExp.com for exclusive access to the biggest events in the NFL, including Super Bowl 56. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks so much for listening to the Bengals Booth podcast.